Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people and it shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and today we're going to look at COVID-19 and the vaccines that are coming our way. Naturally, this will tip us into the lying scumbags and the pro-disease anti-vax movement and how they desperately want to see vaccinations fail. We want to take you deeper into what has come out, what's going to come, and just how the world and the country, Australia that is, is going to manage the next stage of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, the line between science and politics is getting very blurry. Well, we are coming to a rollout of vaccines across the world. In Australia, where the vaccines kick off in March, a vaccination certificate is going to be like a form of currency. It may well dictate where you work, where you go to socialise, how you travel. Some of this will be driven by government, but a lot by business, and maybe one or two NGOs, which is like shit-hot bait to the Q-pilled. Yes, it is. We also want to talk about how quickly the developing world will get access to the vaccine and mm. the prospect of yet another layer established between the haves and the have-nots, which is set to take lives and destroy economic progress. People will die. I mean, this is taking place where a day of paid work can truly be a matter of life and death. And all this while SARS-CoV-2, the virus itself, is happily mutating around the world, may get harder for effective vaccination. It promises to be a brave new world, Joel. Well, that's certainly how people like Pete Evans are seeing it, but we'll get (laughs) on that and up Pete later in the show because there's plenty to flesh out here, but right now it's time for the Conditional Release Program's Weekly News. Craig Kelly, the federal member for Hughes, what a joyous guy he is. Nice. What a contribution he makes to our political debates. What a Very lovely fine. fucking guy. The former <laughs> furniture salesman turned Australia's chief spruker for hydroxy, hydroxychloroquine. It's a lot of syllables for Craig. It's a lot of syllables. It's a lot of syllables for anyone. It's, that word is my least favorite word of 2020. May it <laughs> die in peace in 2021. He released figures claiming 2020 was a cooler year than 2019. Uh, Not cooler, okay. like, you know, more hip. I mean, no. cooler as in temperature, yes. I much prefer 2019 personally, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Effectively, the global warming had been turned back. Well, I mean, shh, I'm really glad over. that got sorted out because I was actually getting a bit worried about it for a second there. Well, let me just say, Joel, he's the he's the best furniture salesman I've ever seen. I bought an ottoman from, uh, from Craig about 10 years ago. Didn't fucking need one. Nowhere to put it. But Craig convinced me, and before I even knew it, I was carrying it out to the car. I wouldn't have minded so much, but it was in a lime green suede. Fuck ugly thing that I had to throw in the, gar- in the garage as soon as I got home. But he's a tremendous salesman. And look, if, if he was still knocking out Chippendales, I would have bought three by now. Yeah, but as a climate scientist, he's really not that good. I mean, Jack, his figures were based solely on a comparative analysis of temperatures, very basic, over the last two years yes. without any kind of data to give it any kind of meaningful context. It's yeah, just, just uh, duh, two different things. <laughs> on, on January 21, uh, 2019, the temperature was, so, and, and yeah. then just went a year further. So no context at all. Context, he's not big on that. 
No, it's he just doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Whereas Australian National University Climate Change Institute Director Mark Howden might know something more. Yes, I mean, he like, probably does. What a job title. That was like fucking 12 words. Uh, so he said that Mr. Kelly's post was a classic example of cherry-picking data and there was no merit to the claims he made, which sounds quite a lot like he just got his numbers from Pete Evans' Telegram feed. Uh, and the news service uh, AAP found Mr. Kelly's statement that 2020 has been the, quote, year of global cooling with average temperatures worldwide falling by half a degree Celsius over the past 12 months to be false. Wow. Sorry, Craig. Actual yep. climate change experts who don't sell furniture said the figures Mr. Kelly cited do not show overall temperatures have decreased with data from official sources showing 2020 is set to be one of the warmest years on record, even warmer than 2019. Oh, dear. Who'd have thought it? Craig Kelly, peerless furniture salesman, would farther grasp the intricacies of global climate data while gobbing great handfuls of hydroxychloroquine to ward well off done. the plague. He's a former rugby prop, which probably would keep him out of a collection of the greatest minds in Australia. But he does try hard, Joel. Yes, and he's going to have to try very hard to win pre-selection in Hughes before next election, mm, which is does. great news. <laughs> Both Malcolm Turnbull and Scott Morrison put the kibosh on New South Wales pre-selection battles before the last election, which allowed that useless fuck Craig <laughs> to avoid a solid challenge that had him bleeding. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run as an independent. Yeah, yeah good luck not, with that. Yeah, not sure how that would have worked out. But anyway, not I think well. it would be an excellent outcome for both democracy and furniture sales if Craig's shining career as a politician came to an abrupt end. It could be the shot in the arm, the double dose of hydroxychloroquine this country's retail furniture industry so badly needs. But in other news, Trump partners have been screaming longer and louder that they want their money back, Joel. Yes, yes, we brought you this news last week and we will continue to keep listeners updated because this is very fucking funny. Yes, the Betfair Trump punters fraud exposed Facebook group, which is one of many. We've just many. zeroed in on this group of losers because they're pretty funny. They have 883 members, including Jack and I and probably several <laughs> hundred other spectators who just think this is fucking hilarious. They have been babbling excitedly, expecting any day now the bookies will return their money. Yes. That they bet on Donald Trump to be elected. They went for president November 3, and they went for all sorts of exotic lash. stupid bets. And another but, lash, yeah. And at no point, whether it be November 3 or December 14th when the, the electors met with the faithless electors that were meant to happen, they've got all these other dates lined up. Apparently Pence is going to bail them out in January. They're fucking idiots and it's not going to go well. Oh, it's just going to be so hilarious. Look, I signed up to the group because it is a treasure trove of idiocy writ large. Virtually every post made by the group is a joyful piece of self-delusion, including this message of hope from member Jordan. I won't tell you his surname, but no. Jordan is real fuckwit. Anyway, Jordan, <laughs> just a thought, he said... Are we going to be able to, T-O-O, potentially mm-hmm. sue for more than our projected winnings? Could we maybe put in our own interest charge? Because that's what they're doing, right? Holding our money whilst their interest builds. That was mm. uh, that was a thought from from uh, Jordan. but And there was general agreement with Jordan's post among the a group. Yes, they would sue Betfair and its associated agencies. And yes, they would be claiming interest. Not only this... 
but also seeking damages for the emotional distress caused by this withholding of their winnings. Yep. According to other posts in the group, some Trump punters had in fact lost their houses while others had a flutter on the Trumpster instead of investing their money in more wise or wiser pursuits. Like Obviously, penny stocks. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I don't want to mock those who have found out that gambling can have its perils. But by putting the fucking house on Donald Trump is just about the craziest thing I've ever heard. And frankly, becoming homeless and sleeping in your car for a couple of years is not only a small price to pay, but contains an important life lesson about gambling that these idiots need to learn the hard way. Yeah, we're going to keep a solid eye on the Trump punters group because they have a lot of promise coming. Uh, Essentially, over the next few weeks, they're relying on Mike Pence to subvert US democracy (laughs) by basically just saying, oh, we're not going to count those states. There's the seventh when they have the joint session of the House and Senate, and if Pence doesn't come through for them, I mean, they might add him to the bloody lawsuit. But then, of course, January 20, the big day, the inauguration day, yes. are they going to keep going after that? Who knows? But uh, I don't know. I don't think they're going to rest, and I think it's going to be quite funny. Oh, yes. Look, uh, the inauguration promises to be a rather grim day for them. Don't drive drunk and don't gamble when you're an idiot. It's not hard, Joel. No, it's not. It's fucking uh, simple. Uh, fairly straightforward. In more pandemic news, Australians have gone batshit crazy after moving their heads side to side, trying desperately to follow a bizarre case of pandemic public policy ping pong. Victorians think Gladys Berejiklian is a criminally negligent mass murderer, while New South, Wales, New South Welsh people think Dan Andrews is an incompetent Stalinist who'd add everybody off to death camps if he could just figure out the logistics. Yes, and it's not about what state you live in because Australians are deeply divided over pandemic policy, border closures, mandated mask wearing, and often these things are over basic partisan party lines or how pilled you are. And it's no fucking wonder we're all confused, irritable, and at, at each other's throats because there are voices from people who should know better. One of the rare benefits of the of this anus horribilis Uh, that was 2020, is that every Australian became almost an epidemiologist, which is terrific. Many Australians combined their new almost expertise by becoming almost immunologists, while others decided to become almost virologists. Mm -hmm. And many of these almost experts started shouting out that governments were wrong, hard lockdowns were needed, police should be dragging people away, and the cricket should be played on the moon. (laughs) On top of that list is ABC Science guy, Dr Norman Swan. He's actually a medical doctor. I'll have a go at him. I believe he remains. <laughs> I believe he remains licensed to practice medicine, but he's not an epidemiologist, an immunologist, a virologist, or engaged at the coalface of public health policy. Mm. He's a pediatrician, or he was in 1982. Oh. He's been a journalist for the last 38 years. Now, he's entitled to express an opinion, how everyone is, but my problem is that Swan has been utterly and provably wrong in his opinions on the pandemic, including an infamous tweet back in April that predicted tens of thousands of Australians infected. That obviously didn't happen. And my point is that Swan, as a journalist, should defer to expert opinion, but he does not. In fact, he's not a journalist anymore. He has taken that long walk from reporting or chronicling events and circumstances to becoming an advocate. And by all means, listen to Dr. Norman Swan, but understand that he is not an epidemiologist, not even close, and he's not really a journalist anymore. He continues to be platformed on the ABC where he has never withdrawn any of his claims or acknowledged how wrong he's been in the past. 
Scaring the shit out of people with alarmist stuff during a pandemic is a nasty way to earn a dollar, in my opinion. And my advice is to listen to the experts, the real experts, who put their reputations and expertise on the line. In New South Wales, that means New South Wales health, not Brad Hazard, not Gladys, not media tarts. Absolutely not us. Well, I am a little bit. Yeah, but, all right. Show us your qualifications. <laughs> I've been on the telly. But, <laughs> but this is what this is what we say. So but listen, listen. I mean, have a listen to us by all means. Yeah, but, oh yeah. Keep going. Tell but, your friends. But but when it's when it's when it comes down to changing behaviour, when it comes down to acknowledging yep. risk and acknowledging yeah. threat, then yep. you listen to the genuine experts. The ones uh, who are in the room at the time and the, when the real numbers, the real information yeah. comes out, the real data, the stuff they have cl- behind yeah. closed doors. Yeah, they've got they've, they've generally got fairly fairly substantial uh, certificates on their walls uh, that men- that mention words like like uh, like virology and, and epidemiology. And, and shit we can't pronounce, not to mention discuss. I mean, look, I was I was reluctant to have a go at Dr. Dom and Swan. I've always enjoyed the Coronacast, things like that. But I see your point. I do yeah. see your point here. And that brings us to this. A long, hard look at the COVID-19 pandemic and how it is set to fuck with us again in 2021. It will. No, it it's will. time for our deeper dive. <laughs> So let's kick our deeper dive off by saying we are not medicos, not experts. Like the rest of Australia and possibly the world, we have become almost epidemiologists and almost virologists and very nearly public health experts. But nearly doesn't cut the mustard in terms of critical advice. Yes, unfortunately, with the democratisation of broadcasting, any old fuckwit can start a podcast, and we have, and you've (laughs) downloaded it. So let's see what we can come up with, because... All we'll be doing is presenting the known and established facts around the pandemic as it moves toward this new vaccination stage of the, the process. And while we may not have sat the gam sat, fuck, I couldn't if I tried, and done all this medical school dance, which I wouldn't even approach because you'll be very clever to manage to pull these things off. We do know a thing or two about politics. We've lying between science and politics is becoming very, very blurry. And I think we're going to, you know, we're going we're to play around with it. So we need, to, we need some, some clarity and some, some of these early facts. So 10 vaccines have now been rolled out outside clinical trials and being pumped into people uh, from around the world, certain parts of the world anyway. Uh, of that 10, uh, three are from China, two from Russia, with the vaccinations in the US, uh, the EU, the UK and Israel, uh, along with some of the uh, Arab Emirate nations uh, uh, coming from the Pfizer-BioNTech, which is a US-German joint project, uh, that vaccine with uh, the with the Moderna vaccine, uh, which is a U.S. Uh, pharmaceutical company. There are another fifty five vaccines in various stages of clinical trials. Uh, one of the vaccines designed for Australian use is at its final stages. That's what we call the AstraZeneca or Oxford trial. Uh, in the space of uh, well, since since the Amer- since the United States began its rollout late December, there have only been two point one million doses doled out, and that's very slow. Uh, and 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 we've also seen you know similar sort of uh, slack rollouts in the EU and the UK. Uh, these are these are not uh, down to fears of of take up. 
Um, these are down to bureaucratic problems. They're not all beginning in the in the White House. The US problems anyway. They uh, they may not have uh, the the wheels greased around uh, around the Oval Office at the moment. But uh, we are seeing sort of you know the usual fuck ups between jurisdictions, um, and uh, we've seen in the United States actually uh, the Pfizer BioNTech. Uh, vaccine, which has to be kept at very, very low temperatures, stored at very low temperatures, uh, being rolled out for use with uh, nurses ho- holding uh, syringes in their hands, saying, "Well, who's next? Who's next?" And there's actually no one there. So, um, so they're you know just establishing who's the priority, uh, and and getting those people who are in that priority in that priority list up to up to uh, getting vaccine uh, getting vaccinated is the big problem. But here's the thing. So with that very small, as of as of last Friday, 2.1 million doses doled out in the US. Of that 2.1 million, we have seen 13, 13 only severe reactions. Um, that's very, very low. That's one in 160,000 doses by my pretty ordinary mass back of the back of the Beer case to mass, but that, but, but that's that's basically where we are. Thirteen severe reactions from two point one million doses. Um, those severe reactions, we're not talking about a little, um, you know, perhaps a little skin eruption or a headache or something like that. Uh, you know, we are talking about anaphylactic shock. Um, uh, those sorts of very severe reactions. So, thir- but thirteen out of two point one million doses—that's very effective. It's extremely better bloody effective. odds than getting COVID, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So, uh, early days at least that the uh, the two vaccines active in the United States, the Pfizer BioNTech and the Moderna, are going along very nicely with the proviso that their bureaucracies are fucked and need to get themselves in order. Yeah, it's difficult, to be fair. I mean, like, to their credit, this is a lot to handle. Getting something that is at minus 70 degrees, is that Celsius or Fahrenheit? I mean, it's fucking cold. It's hard. It's a hard yeah. job. Yeah, and, and look, that's, that's, part of the prob- that's part of the problem. But, but just getting people getting people to stand in line is the you know and developing that priority list. And so we, obviously the priorities are people with underlying health conditions and obviously frontline health workers. Yeah, uh, but it's like to, herding they, cats, you know. Yeah, and, and look, I tell you, I, I guarantee you that our, our rollout in, in, in this country, which begins in March, I guarantee it'll be a lot easier. I, I, I think it will be because yeah. we have you know, we, we have much more effective health bureaucracies. I, I know they're not perfect, but if you take a look at some of the health systems and how they're run overseas in Europe, particularly, yeah. it's disastrous. So, so we have our, our rollout coming in March. Uh, Fifty-one million doses uh, will be made available to all Australians during. 2021. That's everyone times two. Uh, the vaccinations will be two shot. Uh, and the Australian government has established four agreements. Uh, one I mentioned before was AstraZeneca, otherwise known as the Oxford vaccination, um, which is uh, still at clinical trial level. And and Pfizer, the Pfizer, uh, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, and two other. Uh, vaccines still in clinical trials, also at stage three level, Novavax and COVAX. Uh, and as I said before, people with underlying health conditions in Australia, frontline health workers, and also 
well, they'll be they'll be first cabs off the rank as as well as a sort of social, cultural, even sporting and political leaders will be receiving the vaccine early. Now there's yep. been a lot of talk about that. You know, why should uh, why should the prime minister get his uh, get his vaccine early? Why should uh, the Archbishop of uh, Sydney get his? Um, and what do you make of that, Joel? Surely it's just a way of of, of establishing trust. With the people. It's the optics. It's the optics of making sure that people who have, you know, say a lot to lose or especially when it comes to politicians for the red pill folks, like if they're taking the yeah. vaccine, then maybe it's safe because if it wasn't safe, they'd be the first ones to know about it. You know, like if there's a conspiracy, surely they're in on it. And uh, mm. so these sort of things, they, they bolster up the, the, the public confidence. You know, if it were, if it were unsafe, the guys at the top wouldn't take it. But I mean, That's, this is yeah. the issue. And, and, these and things was, fall apart so easily. That's uh, the thing uh, that sucks. There was a there was a, uh, an article in New York Times uh, last week uh, indicating that it had actually been very effective. That their turnout, while their rollout is slow and cumbersome, the turnout is actually a lot bigger than they had expected. You know, that yeah. we we do tend to focus on the anti vaxxers and the nutters saying, you know, I won't I won't have that needle, but the. the the, the circumstance in the United States with having vaccinated not just people like Joe Biden but religious leaders. I mean, that's really yeah. compelling. And, yeah. And, well, a and, lot of other so leaders are up- saying the vaccine's bad. They're saying it's the mark of the beast. They're saying there's a microchip in it. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. it depends so, on your religious leader. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, so I guess when we go through these uh, public events, public vaccination of events of, of you know, uh, of, of national leaders. There are certain rules that we should certainly follow uh, in order not to attract the attention of the anti-vaxxers groups who, who are all going to be lying and deceiving their way through this. And also and yet, watching like hawks. Yeah, you know, these, right. these are the guys who look at these videos and they look at them frame by frame to look at anything yeah. that could establish some sort of doubt around some sort of vaccination event yeah. because this is what they live for. They're in a cult. Well, we, we did see Anastasia Palaszczuk. Um, that was bad. Yeah. And that was yeah, a flu shot. That was a flu shot. So Not she, even controversial. She, this is this is early on. Uh, this is early last year or sort of mid-year last year when Anastasia Palaszczuk submitted for a uh, an influenza shot and um, and because the media weren't ready, the cameras, cameramen weren't ready uh, when she actually did receive the shot, they faked it up. Afterwards, to to make yep. it look, and of course, anti vaxxers and all sorts of you know quibblers and and, and moaners uh, looked at this and went said, "Oh, that's all fake." Well, it and was fake, so don't, don't do blame that them. stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I saw the video and I thought, "Shit!" Like, I mean, yeah. surely there's a explanation for this. Giving people but- an opportunity. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Just feeding into their bullshit, like. Paulie Fennick, the guy from Fat Pizza, who's now apparently some fucking red-pilled visionary, and believe me, it's working for him. He's got all these wellness lunatics and mums groups going, oh, my God, I didn't know you were so great. And (laughs) he posted a thing today of Benjamin Netanyahu getting the shot. Yeah, I've seen the video. And I saw the video because I saw the video after I told you about this. And basically, the picture shows all these damning moments of the video. And if you look at the video, it looks a lot different to what the picture says. So the picture yeah. speaks a thousand words. But at the end of the day, this physician that administered the shot to Netanyahu wasn't wearing gloves. No. He was touching the needle somehow yeah. and holding the thing by the needle. It looks like this is one of those like 
public CHO types who hasn't practiced medicine in about 30 years, sure. maybe Norman Swan. And, 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 um, and seeing a thousand cameras in front of him, just it's, it's had a little bit of a nervous, nervous moment. <laughs> had a little bit just of a nervous useless. moment. And, you can't uh, have and, this. And just Yes, but yes, they're just little things like he wasn't wearing gloves, you know. Yeah, and, for and, all the rest and, of them, like the actual nurses who've been doing yeah. the hospitals, they they're nailing it. Like they're wearing the gloves, yeah. they're shooting it like a pro, and they're not even thinking twice about it. This guy was clearly thinking twice about it, and it shows. And now these anti-vax dickheads have this screenshot that looks like there's shenanigans. Well, Stop doing that. Stop fucking up the photo shoot. We'd encourage our listeners to uh, check out the YouTube video of Benjamin Netanyahu getting the needle. It certainly looks legit, but uh, guys, can we uh, can we get our act together before we do these things uh, and do it the right way? Look, the, the anti it goes bad. The, the anti yes, exactly right. So to the anti-vaxxers, you know, besides this, you know, how have they been going? I mean, as we've said, Numerous times in this uh, in this program, this is kind of like this is the LMA for them, right? This well, they're is just shit people. So this is all obviously going to go in um, yeah, very badly. But if, if the rollout of this vaccination or the series of vaccinations, and we'll go on to talk a bit later about how that might mean uh, multiple vaccinations, not just two, but other vaccines that are, are still on the drawing board coming in, um, uh, but. If we are able to effectively vaccinate the the globe from uh, SARS-CoV-2, then where does that leave the anti-vaxxers? So when you understand this, this is why they're being so loud. This is why they're being so terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is uh, a very important moment for them. Yeah, because this is make or break, you know. Yeah. Look, they'll always find their niche on the fringe, but they become so mainstream that their chance of staying in this mainstream sort of spotlight is fading as this goes well. Mm. They need to make sure there is fear, uncertainty, and doubt in one of the biggest vaccination programs ever to make sure that people still give money to RFK, buy bricks from Dell Big Tree. I mean, these scammers and grifters <laughs> rely on this. And the thing is, is they have an army of cult members who yeah. will do their bidding. I mean, yeah. fuck me. If you haven't heard about this, it's going to make you sick. Because to usher in the new year, just around Christmas, a pharmacist a at pharmacist. Aurora Medical Center, yeah, a yeah. pharmacist. So the, the guy is basically the keeper of the keys there at Aurora Medical Center in Grafton, which is not that Grafton, but there's a Grafton in Wisconsin, which is pretty funny. Left 57 vials. It's, it's not that funny. It's not that funny. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I love the word Grafton. I've always thought it was a very strange town. Anyway, there's a whole story behind that. And I'm not going to tell it. There is, um, yeah. There is. It is uh, a very but, strange uh, place. Moderna, the Moderna COVID vaccine out of the fridge for several days, destroying several hundred doses. And it was hoped that this was a mistake, which is fair mm. enough because mistakes do bit happen. Of negligence, bit of stupidity. Life's like that. But after seeing the pharmacist being questioned was actually a red-pilled fuckhead spouting anti-vax bullshit all over social media, he admitted under, I imagine, quite well-honed uh, investigation and interrogation skills that he did intentionally uh, sabotage the shots. What a piece of shit. I mean, it's yeah. just a terrible human being. And uh, God only knows. I mean, he should be a man of science himself. And uh, this is the extent of it, of course, that you've got people, pill counters, pharmacists, uh, yeah. who think uh, who think this is dangerous. I mean, it's just who unbelievable. Who can you trust? It's ridiculous. Yeah. So they did this around Christmas, which is just like the proper Grinch of Grafton sort of shit here. And he's now been arrested on charges of first degree recklessly endangering safety, 
adulterating a prescription drug, and criminal damage to property. Yeah, he's currently cooling his seals in the uh, county jail, and I hope he is having a genuinely terrible time there. He could get up to 22 years for this caper, and I hope he gets every last minute. We also don't know if this was an isolated event or something he's been doing on a fairly routine basis. That's a great fear, of course. Putting lives mm-hmm. at risk to pursue his bullshit hobby cause as an anti-vaxxer. Get a new fucking cause, man. And the thing is, like, while I do feel that this deep sense of sympathy for these idiots who have fallen into what is the cult of anti-vax. Definitely a cult, yep. The people that create the lies that destabilize his faith in science should be absolutely held to account. He's not just spreading lies. He's not just believing lies, but he's creating the lies. See, Mm. this fuckwit was trying to prove the vaccine doesn't work by making it not work. And that's the kind of shit anti-vaxxers do. These lying sacks of fuck, this is a lie of the highest order because it puts the lives of hundreds of people, likely frontline workers, at risk in a country that is crawling with the plague to make this non-existent point about whether vaccines work. I mean, Fuck this guy. I hope he absolutely rots in jail. He's a piece of shit. Outside of that incredibly annoying speed bump in the vaccine rollout, what are the implications of this, mate? Like, what roles are anti-vaxxers on the inside going to play from here? We're trying to ruin this road to recovery to make some shitty point scoring with a, oh, I told you so. Fuck you, you told me so, mate. We're trying to get out of a problem as a society using science and technology to the best of our abilities and you little shit to try to ruin it. I fuck it, this burns me up. How do these people not see themselves as the villain here? How do they not realise they're just in a fucking death cult? Yes, well, look, I'd like to think, and I hope I'm right, that uh, for, for the most part, um, scientists and pharmacists, of course, uh, men and women of science, would be shunning this sort of stuff that the, that the, the most unusual so. circumstance of this event is that the fellow who rendered uh, so many doses of uh, of the vaccine ineffective, thus thus uh, allowing people uh, thinking that they might that they'd been vaccinated to to go into you know as you say frontline frontline health workers going into very dangerous situations, uh, just extraordinarily uh, irresponsible. But also the fact that he really should be the sort of person promoting a vaccine. And that sort of at least gives us an indication. Well, I wouldn't think that's in any way a mainstream issue, but I think that at least gives us an indication of just the depth that uh, or the extent of this cult in our society today. It's I mean, terrifying. I, I did see, I mean, look, they just lie so randomly and, and so easily and obviously. There, there is, a, there is a, a bit of stuff going around on social media that um, uh, that sh- that shows shows an image that is supposed to be um, a, f- a f- is it a five G circuit? Uh, that's yeah, been, that's right. Uh, the, um, um, uh, the microchip from the vaccine. My microchip from the vaccine that's being injected into people, and there it it's is. It's like a, a schematic sort of, elect- of the microchip. Yeah, it's an electrical sort of circuit breakdown, and yeah. and that is apparently you know linked to the sort of thing, and that's been circulating widely around. Italy, while they they're, while they're trying to get their population vaccinated, it's and, an incredibly suspect because there's a few words on there. You think, what? Well, I don't know about. I don't know if a microchip yeah. needs base and treble. But look, uh, it, it, it turns out that the uh, that the electric circuit that's being described there is actually from a guitar pedal. 
and yep. uh, yep. and classic uh, distortion pedal. Yeah, yeah, massive distortion pedal indeed. But it's just again, it just shows you the extent that these people will go to. Yeah, um, they just make shit up. They just and, make shit up. And, and it gets and it gets worse outside that vaccination sphere when we start seeing. So in, in Sydney, as of tomorrow, as of Monday, the fourth of January, um, uh, mask wearing will be mandated in Greater Sydney. In in um, uh, basically in indoor areas. Uh, yeah. Shopping centres, uh, cinemas, uh, um, uh, public transport, etc. This is yep. long being called for by uh, by some uh, by some. And uh, look, I'm just just so people know, I've been wearing I've been wearing a mask on public transport for months. Yeah, uh, I just you know I just think that's sensible, and I made my own choice. I'm always a little bit concerned about mandatory anything. I mean, yeah. mandatory mask wearing here because. If you're going to make things mandatory, then it's got to be policed. And yep. and and then the New South Wales Police, like an like a, you know, it's a two hundred dollar on the spot fine. So it's no one's getting dragged into a courtroom, but or locked up indeed. But still, I'm a little uncomfortable about all that sort of stuff. I guess the first thing is, <laughs> I've had people hit me up, go, "What's Greater Sydney? You know, yeah. is it is it?" Is it the, the is it Sydney with the lesser parts removed? I mean, yes. uh, the the geographic definition of of Greater Sydney was actually done. No one else could sort of come up with it. So the Victorian government, the Andrews government, came up with it and said, "Well, we call Greater Sydney Sydney plus uh, the Blue Mountains, the Central Coast, uh, and um, the Illawarra, uh, and <clears throat> the Illawarra, all the way down to." All the way down to Nara, and that seems to be the definition that New South Wales government is also. Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, they've they've gone with that as well. So that involves really probably a good hundred and twenty uh, kilometre radius all the way around from the Sydney CBD. And it's these questionably greater spots that are the ones that are going to have the cops crawling around because they're the ones that they tend to go because they're the cops that like to go and knock heads a bit, you know, like inner city cops, Uh, inner city cops, but the rural ones are special. Yeah, where where are they going to go? Straight west, do not pass go. They're obviously going to go young people. They're going to go uh, people, low low socioeconomic status folk. Yep. Um, you know, throw and, some race in there, and you got yourself a stew. So you would <laughs> got a stew going on, and uh, it, it, look, it's just it, it would seem sensible to me, and I, and I would like to think that the police ministry had had discussions with uh, the chief commissioner and senior police to say, look, what we really want you to do is actually in the first weeks we really want you guys to be just handing masks out. You know, yeah, where you don't see them being worn, and just, but when they just say no. When they say no, then they don't have to come up with a bloody good reason why they don't, why they're not. And and nah, they'll just lie. They'll yeah, just lie. lie. I've got asthma. I've got a cough. I'm just generally a fuckwit on the internet. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just this. You know, it's driven by this nonsense. It's outside that sort of anti-vaccination world. It's driven by this nonsense that a small amount of inconvenience somehow. Uh, equals uh, you know a serious impingement on people's liberties, which is just oh, total totally. bullshit, and and, and it ignores sort of, yeah. you know acting 
as individuals for the common good. You know, that's yeah, just, which that's is just, incredibly frustrating. Yeah. It's not socialism to give a fuck about your community. It really isn't. I it don't, is, I don't yes. think that needs to be the case. That's right. But it's also like it does go away from the idea of this sort of, you know, Victor Tay, uh, I'm just exercising anti-lockdown sort of mentality because – You've got the, you know, the Judy Mikovic says in Plandemic, it's a ma- massive central thesis of the film that you've already got illness, but when you breathe it back in because of a mask, you get the sickness and it somehow multiplies up your ass and makes you sick. I mean, these people literally think that wearing a mask is going to give you COVID. They've been trained to by bitch shoot videos. So when a cop hands them a mask, it's almost like someone handing you COVID in your hands, and their little brains are going to melt. Now, at what point do we treat that like a mental health issue? And at what point do we start jailing the people who are inserting these ideas in people's heads? Now, that is a whole kettle of fish we can't even get into. Uh. But it comes to that where you've got people who on one side are saying, oh, I've got rights. No, you don't. And on the other side, I'm not going to touch that mask. That's the mark of the beast because fucking Tay's way told me it was going to kill me. I mean, like, how do you police that? That's yeah. You're policing crazy people. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it, it is extremely difficult to do. And can you imagine how frustrating it would be for law enforcement? Oh. You know, who, who are there sort of saying, look, you know, you can, you, you can have we, – we've been given some masks to hand to you, you know, and they say, well, I'm not going to wear that because it'll kill me. I mean, it, it's just yeah. bizarre stuff. So those guys, I mean, it's, it's a $200 on-the-spot fine. I've got no problem, and I think the vast majority of the community will have no problem with that. Uh, with that, those fines being issued for people who point blank refuse to wear a wear a mask. Yes, but they have- should be given an option if they can't afford oh, de- it. They've got one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, given an option because that that does become a bit tyrannical and a bit weird. It does. It does. Yeah. Look, never comfortable with anything being mandated. This this advice has come not from some of the names we mentioned before. You know, sort of jumping up and down on social media, the advice to do this now on the back of the Avalon cluster and, and, and one or two others in Sydney now, there's one in Western Sydney of concern, um, that, that, you know, it, that is the advice from, you know, senior health bureaucrats. I mean, people who yeah. are trained and expert in these things to say, look, this is, this is a good thing to be doing for the foreseeable future. Might only last a month. Might only last yeah. a couple of months. But, yeah. um, look, it's a sensible thing. Um, it's obviously based in uh, solid medical advice. Yeah, things it, have kicked it, off. Just it, wear a fucking mask. It, it creates some civil, it creates some civil uh, liberty sort of issues and, uh. um, and, and, and and maybe we should always just be a little bit cautious before we say the police go your hardest, you know. Yeah, but at the same I'm, time, I mean, fuck, man. Like, here are all these people who are smugly lying like that Victor Tay asshole. Oh, I'm just exercising. Oh, you're exercising. Oh, you live in fucking Liverpool oh. and you're exercising around Macquarie Street. You just These people just lie in public. Oh, I have an exemption. No, you don't. Oh, I have asthma. No, you don't. I can't breathe with a mask. Yes, you can. But these guys will lie because they are cult members who believe there is a greater good behind their messaging. And honestly, I just get so so inclined toward them just having just a jail sentence i'm sorry but like you just can't run a society like this if you're driving if you're driving if you're driving a large number of people to do the wrong thing to to put themselves at risk and others 
then really, you know, it's, I mean, basically, I don't know, I don't I don't know how the Crimes Act works around that sort of stuff. But you, it would but need to be amended. Would, I think. Yeah, I mean, at least at a moral level, you are talking about you are talking about offences or behaviour that yeah. I think a lot of the community would like stopped by way of having these people brought before the courts and you know, prosecuted. And it's bloody tyrannical stuff. This is the sort of stuff that, like, it's the stuff of dystopian nightmares. And the problem is, is it wouldn't be an issue if these fuckheads weren't so obsessed with getting attention, getting Patreon subscribers, selling supplements, hawking crystals, and generally just being grifting pieces of shit by circulating some of the most dangerous misinformation I've ever seen in my time, and goddamn don't I look for it. Like, these motherfuckers are just the worst right now. I, I honestly think anti-lockdowners should have won the Golden Tapeworm. It's just that Pete Evans is just so punchable, he had to get it. Oh, indeed. Well deserved. Richly deserved. The Golden Tapeworm for Pete. But look, when we're trying to have a little bit of faith in government, and I'd, I'd argue that Australians basically do, there are still do. major yeah. problems with governments. And look, the Victorian government's had a shocker. Yeah, um, it's they, not had a a they had a shocker throughout 2020. But... Um, uh, uh, they've had an even worse. Well, perhaps not even worse, but but they've they've really fucked up um, uh, um, the holiday period for a lot of people. And there's no real reason for it other than you just think, well, when Dan Andrews goes on holidays, nothing seems to happen. But basically, what happened uh, was that uh, while the Victorian government had, had urged people travelling into state, particularly in the New South Wales. Uh, to uh, to hurry home. Um, it was at three thirty on the afternoon of December thirty one that they announced that borders would be closed, and that those either Victorian residents or people with uh, permits to to cross the border would be allowed through. So that's you know that's half a oh, it's not even half a day. It's, uh, sort of uh, planning and preparation, and then presumably it won't get you from Sydney. Uh, yeah, it's you're gonna you're gonna battle to do that, and and so you had a lot of people holidaying in in, in southern New South Wales and, and what have you who basically had to pack up and go home and then wait in these long long queues uh, because the police Victoria Police Force uh, had to had to sort through this this chaos and in the end yep. they you know they just started waving people through. I mean it, yeah. it was just a completely failed exercise. Yeah. Uh, they've also the, the government, the Victorian government's also urged these people from other states, you know, travelling travelling back to Victoria from New South Wales to go and get tested. So they waited six hours to cross the border. Then they go in and basically all these testing, uh, a lot of these testing places were sort of overwhelmed and had to shut. You know, yeah. it's just you, you've got to get these things right. I mean, you'd yeah. like to think there's someone there who's kicking a few asses, but they've made so many mistakes now that 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 they really are, we are driving it. We are driving it uh, at public confidence type issues. But you know, and 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 I, I no doubt we'll get we'll get spanked from from the dance dance. You know, the you know the, this sort of social media army. Uh, that, uh, that that just blindly supports anything Dan Andrews and and, and uh, the gonna, Andrews I'm government gonna, does. I'm going to pull up the, the Dan Stan thing because this is a thing that's a bit of an internet niche term. Right. Essentially what happened is some time ago, uh, specifically towards K-pop fans, 
they were called Stans. And Stan is a reference to an Eminem song where an obsessive fan sends a letter to Eminem about all this shit. I think he eventually kills himself or some shit. It's all really sad and dramatic. I think Dido was on it. But essentially, it's a very internet slang term of saying someone who is fanatically obsessed as a well, fan. It's a portmanteau, isn't it? It's stalker and fan. Um, uh I believe it comes from the Eminem song, you know, with the the Dido. Uh, well, hook. that's probably um, it, it's still that's it's still probably its origin. That's what Stalker I understand. And fan Stalk, works. Stalker and fan. That's a portmanteau. That is uh, for people like yourself, Joel, uh, where we get two words and uh, push them into one. Uh, oh. So now you know you can use that. I've portmanned and toad before. <laughs> so you know. There was just some mad stuff going on in social media from these guys. I mean, they were saying, look, they were actually saying to their fellow Victorians, struggling to get across the border, and then once they'd done that, you know, basically submit to testing, waited hours, and then to be told, no, no, this one's closed. Uh, and, and, and these people were condemned by the dance dancers, basically unclean people who had gone yeah. to New South Wales. It was as mad a shit as I've seen. And it tells you that this sort of restrictive stuff works left and right. You know, it, it, it's it's really not sub to, subject to ideology. You are talking about the sort of ugly tribal elements of uh, yeah. of politics ugly at their worst. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very ugly, very tribal, I mean, and very much you know, fuck everyone. Well, it, it was it, it sat almost. So, if we want to talk about ideology, most of the, the dance stands are obviously from the left. They were saying things that was all that were almost in lockstep with Tim Smith, the MP for Q. That's why Jeez. I say that's why it's you know that you know Tim wants uh, Tim wants Andrews prosecuted and, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, it was it was the same sort of mentality at least. Yeah, and the content might have been different, but the mentality was the same. It's all. It's all just tips to the autocratic, you know. But I think there's been a lot of partisan things. Of course, it is tribalism and it's not partisan in its viciousness. But what it is partisan is the fact that basically a whole bunch of lefty labor types, myself being sort of one of them, um, not one of the dance stands as such, but like, you know, got this chance to have a one up on the New South Wales government, which they see as this long standing yeah. labor yeah. dynasty, a liberal dynasty that needs to be taken down a notch. Uh, you know, they need a loss. And, and, they, and, and they might be right about that, but. There's, that's no reason to make shit up. No, it's terrible. They've been behaving like fucking children, just like, you know, seeing a vulnerability and like sort of going for the neck while they're down. And like, look, I yeah. mean, like I'm all about partisan politics. I will I will rip shit. I will be a general hack and a partisan asshole for days. But when it does come to COVID, and this is why a lot of these electoral uh, victories have happened in this sort of spectacular way during COVID is because this is one of those things where everyone has to walk across the aisle and get shit done and not fuck around. And this is why I hate these anti-lockdown fucks because this is this moment where we might actually have this sense of bipartisanship where we have a common enemy that we just need to get sorted and these motherfuckers get in the way. And Dan Stans will make sure that this stuff does not become bipartisan. More so, that you actually start looking at public policy based on science and knowledge and information. Yeah, right? objectively. And, and and you actually get better outcomes. You get better policy totally. outcomes because you're not actually weighed down by fucking ideology. Right? Yeah, and like uh, things uh, like uh, economics, <laughs> things like social policy, all this sort of stuff is so ambiguous. It never has a clear outcome. There was never a real, like you know, straight down the the arrow, straight down the line answer that you can have this partisan bickering and you can have this water battery when it comes to COVID. There are things we need to just make 
happen. And mm. with this kind of bickering, they won't happen. Yeah, it certainly certainly makes it very difficult. And but in other parts of the world where um uh, shall we say the sort of partisan bickering is a luxury. Things are looking a lot bleaker, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's like that because we've got this thing of you seeing all these, like, you know, global elites first, as we said, which is a useful thing for people to get confidence in the vaccine. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's the US and the UK that are getting their sleeves rolled up and Africa and South America are just falling apart at the seams. South, South Africa. Um, Afri- Africa generally hasn't gone too badly with COVID and I'm talking about infection rates um, yeah. because I, I suspect strongly because of temperature. We know Isolation and temperature. We know the virus is um, – we know the virus it, it lives – you know, it doesn't live as long in, in warm no. temperatures. Why I think um, beach bands are And we are also dumb. have a lot of sub-Saharan Africa has been um, – has had pandemics belted into them, Ebola essentially, and, and yeah. so the behaviours are learned and, and so it's a little bit like Southeast Asia where you've got um, learned behaviours in terms of in terms of social distancing and, yep. and mask wearing and so forth. So that's yep. why Africa's figures aren't too bad. It's terrible in South Africa, by the way, where yeah. the climate is a little uh, more, more changeable. More temperate, um, yep. and, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, South America. Probably less outbreaks down there as well. South, yeah, South America yeah. is in, in South shock. America is fucked. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, you know, there are – like practical obstacles to all this sort of stuff. Central Asia in a really bad ways. And, and but, uh, you know, you, you, you'll find in well, certainly Turkey's lying about their figures. Um, I'd be absolutely – Yeah, there's ast- some lies. Be, yeah, be astonished if they're not. Um, yeah. Erdogan's but, not one to uh, play with the truth. No, God so, so, you know, the, the, the way to look at this is not in a sort of national or even um, sort of continental way. You you basically got to get the whole planet done. That's the yeah. Otherwise, you still have problems. And, and we love forgetting that poor people exist. I mean, like that is our mo as Western yeah. countries. Wow, we just use be- them for like a surplus of labor for making shoes, and occasionally give a <laughs> fuck about them when there's a tsunami and promise a billion dollars and not pay it. Well, well um, um, I, what I what I would say is that it, it, it basically, if you do not. I mean, the, the whole idea is ba- herd immunity in 2021 means basically is going to mean anyway 75 to 80 percent of the planet vaccinated for it to be for herd to kick in. Otherwise, you know, overseas travel and the movement, you know, of goods and services across borders is going to be slowed uh, heavily. A, stunted. Know, a, yeah, heavily, and as and it is now in Australia, so so hugely. Yeah, so clearly, you know, we're not just talking about the Bill Gates Foundation. We're actually talking about the world. And of course, this this brings in an even greater level of fuckwittery. But when yeah. you start bringing the World Health Organization and UNESCO yeah. and places like that, in terms, in, 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 it's organizations like that who can roll out into into the developing world. It needs to yeah. happen because if if you don't do it, you've still got masses of pandemic. Bubbling away and porous borders and so forth and mutating strains, yeah, mutating strains, which we want to talk about, you know, because because this virus is a is an RNA virus, so it's subject to mutation, uh, and and it does, you know, it's almost sort of like accelerated Darwinism. It's it's um, uh, survival of the fittest. Vaccines do this; they 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 mutate so they can. Grow so they can survive and prosper, and sometimes yep. they they mutate so quickly they can wipe themselves out. 
Yeah, um, now, I guess, and I guess that's what what that's what Donald Trump was thinking about last year, around about April, and I think he said on numerous occasions that it was just going to disappear. Um, it has happened with other RNA viruses before, but we have to accept that this is going to be around for a while and is going to mutate. Now, the UK strain. There's some lovely stuff here, right? I, I, I actually really want to introduce. The, the UK strain. Roger Helmer is a, a Tory defector to the UKIP. You know, and he was a member of the European Parliament, even though he was a mad Brexiteer, and, and of course he's not now because <laughs> because of Brexit. Uh, in, back in April, Roger Helmer was running the usual sort of racist logic. Why can't we call COVID the China flu? You know, it's the same as Mexican food and Italian pasta. Why can't we call it the China flu? And just last week, Roger, who continues to call himself an MEP for some reason, um, asked people to refrain from ref- from referring to the new strain as the UK strain. Yeah, not allowed to bed. <laughs> not allowed to do that. Wouldn't yeah. it be a terrible stain on the country? One so in a beautiful way. But this tells yeah. them, and I just I just mentioned that by way of introduction to this new strain has been identified in the UK, which is said to be sixty percent more infectious, not sixty percent more lethal, because that'd be a different thing. Sixty um, percent more infectious, so that yeah. means that it doesn't mean sixty percent more of the population is going to be infected. It just means that that rate of infection is going to jack up by about sixty percent. Which is mm. substantial. It will almost double. Well, it will, yeah. uh, you know, it be it and and uh, and half of what it is added on. Um, so uh, the, the the lethality is a different question. That's when you start getting into a like a bowlers with with high levels of lethality, and it just wipes out communities so quickly that the virus essentially dies. It doesn't have a host, but this is yeah. more infectious. Um, and, uh, and, and what that basically means is a big problem for vaccinations. So the one that we, one of the ones we've got coming is the AstraZeneca uh, vaccination. And that's, um, uh, that's said to be 95% effective. Right? Yeah. So with COVID in its uh, pre-existing strain, we were looking at about 60% for herd immunity. Yep. So 60% of people effectively vaccinated to get to, to, to sort of create that herd immunity. With this more infectious strain, that figure needs to be about 70, 75. Mm-hmm. And, on a, and on a vaccination, on a, on a vaccine that is 95% effective, that virtually means you've got to vaccinate everyone. Yeah. Right, which basically means we need to deplatform fucking Pete Evans as soon as possible. Well, it, it means uh, it, it means what it might mean is that that is that vaccination is only is effective or has a, is of limited effectiveness, or may not be effective at all. Yeah. So th- this is what we're talking about with mutations. So <clears throat> no doubt, I mean, I have no doubt with all the vaccines under development now that there will be a that there will perhaps be a short-form vaccine and then a longer-form one. That may be the case. That might be the solution. But we have a virus that mutates and becomes more infectious, not more lethal, more infectious. And that yeah. means that herd has to, it, the percentage of those vaccinated has to rise. 
uh, every yeah. time there is a, a every time there's a mutation. So that brings into question the whole business of vaccination. It will yeah. be solved. I'm convinced of that. But will be solved. This issue will be solved by vaccination. But it won't be solved like that. It won't be solved no. in March with your with with your with your double shot. Yeah. And then, of course, we're talking about issues of once we've got the vaccine in place, and even uh, bearing in mind that it may not be terribly effective or only effective for a short period of time, how yeah. do we as a society deal with that? How, how do we deal with that in a sort of legal framework? Do, do employers insist that their employees have COVID vaccinations? And it's going to be tricky. Yeah, so 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 this whole issue of certification is really yep. a fucking minefield. Yeah, uh, and with all the usual suspects dragged in, you know the the anti lockdowners and the anti vaxxers and all those sorts of people coming in and making a hell of a noise, along with you know your your your, your hardcore libertarians and yep. and uh, and nutters on the right, how they. Yep. <clears throat> How are they going to be able to deal with the fact that we may have to carry a certificate or some form of card, you know, a non-transferable card that says we have received a vaccination and that we show that to employers because employers require that. They insist on that, you know, and that they want legal support from our parliaments to do this. How will it mean? Will you be able to go to a pub? See, I have a feeling that once... Once vaccinations have kicked in, so I'm talking about nine to twelve months from now, there'll be points like cinemas will say, "We won't, we won't have you in unless unless you produce a vaccination certificate." Pubs, yeah. we know Qantas are going to do it as a as a Qantas for sure as an aviator. I mean, it was a. You know, I'm not convinced it's going to go that far, um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how far it does go because. I don't think the government is going to be brave enough to bring in something as hard as that, and I think it might be up to business. But if it is up to business, the implementation of such a system yeah, is going to be very, very difficult. Be all, be all, be all over the shop. There'll be inconsistencies everywhere, and yeah, and so it'll be a whole bloody thing. Just like check-ins at pubs. Like I'm glad they've got the service New South Wales thing. I think mandating was weird, but it's such a pain in the ass. Everyone's got a different system. One thing works this way. One thing works that way. The service New South Wales thing really like the put service it into one New South Wales. It is rare for me to to offer congratulations to government, particularly in the areas of technology. But the New South Wales service app is actually a ripper. Yeah. It's been much easier than everything else. You just do your QR code. It says, yeah. you know, I know you're you. Just move on, blah, blah, blah. I never check out like I never tap off the bloody bus, but that is it is what it is. I never, yeah, I never tap off either. But it's just, it's just made everything a lot easier. Anyway, yep. uh, so we we are going to see sort of technology coming into to, to this area, and and I definitely look. It's not going to be like a rollout of an Opal card. There will be, there will be, a, you know, they're, they're going to have public officials are going to turn have going to have to turn their minds to how they're going to deal with this because there are, I mean, there are people who can't be vaccinated. Or, or yeah. shouldn't be vaccinated because they are likely to suffer adverse reactions. So they need to be considered as a genuine legal uh, exemption. Um, yeah. because but not like fucking a, liars, not anti-vax oh, little you, shit liars there'll be, there'll be people who make up any tale, any tale they can. Oh, it's this, oh, it's that, I've got this, I've got that. Yeah. You don't. You don't, and all it is is you've just read some shit on Facebook, you have no friends, and all of a sudden you're in a fucking cult, and now you are halting progress. 
Do not do that to us. I want to go to the States. I want to see Nine Inch Nails live again. Stop it. <laughs> and look, that leaves us uh, with the uh, rather grim uh, view that 2021 might be as bad, if not, if not even worse, worse than 2020, which is a terrible thing. Yep. And we don't want to... Uh, we don't want to burden people with it. But I think what we certainly can predict is that social distancing, mask wearing and various restraints on movement and association will be with us for the foreseeable future, well into like well into 22, uh, 2022. Yep. That's my thought. And, that's, and that is that. That is our deeper dive for today. And now it's time for this. A segment the Trump family has said is, and I quote, a shining example of outstanding media reporting that should be an example to the fake news in the mainstream media, unquote. It's a segment with heart, a segment I know many of our listeners openly weep to because they feel his pain. Aww. Eric Trump, he's like a bastard on Father's Day. Mm. Eric Trump, who was a very good-looking boy, loves kids, but not in a QAnon way, I dare say. Today I want to tell a story of Eric, who loves his dad. Love you, Dad! Love you, Dad! And why his relentless search for father's love has prohibited him from running any sort of charity, let alone a charity for kids with Spanish dancer. And when asked why he raised money for children with cancer, Eric replied, it's a great question. It's one that I've been asked before. And I'm not really sure. I think there is something about that innocence that has always affected me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's an odd thing to say. But Eric, who was a good-looking boy and not a sociopath at all, did in fact raise around $15 million for kids with cancer, or more specifically, cancer research. And he'd do it mainly by organising a big day of golf at his dad's. Love you, Dad! Love you, Dad! His dad's swish golf course in Westchester, NY. Be less celebs and uh, real estate wankers would pony up with some cash, have a round of golf and be served drinks by Hooters waitresses. <laughs> Classy. But it worked and it would still be working today if his old man's golf course hadn't jumped up the fees until it got to the point where the donations could barely cover the cost of hiring the course for the day. And it would have been all Eric's dad. Love you, Love Dad. Love Dad. It would have been all his fault, except Eric kicked in 100000 of the Trump organisation and then hurled half a million about to other groups, including non-charities, who played golf at Trump resorts. Ooh. Long story short, Eric, who was a good-looking boy, was shuffled off to mandatory training along with Ivanka and Donnie Jr. on how to run a charity without stealing from it. So hard. Uh, it is very, very difficult, and they needed a lot of training. I am happy to say he passed with <laughs> flying colours. He did, Eric. Well done, Eric. Only getting his pencil stuck in his ear once, and after the jaws of life removed it, he shut down the Eric Trump Foundation, and kids with cancer have to fend for themselves now. Bloody freeloaders. Mm -hmm. And a lesson Eric Trump, from, Eric Trump took from all this was that he loves his dad. Love, Love you, dad. dad. And the only person Eric should be helping is his dad. Love you, Dad. Love you, Dad. Not a bunch of sick kids who wouldn't know a hard day's work if it turned around and bit them on the ass. He's a very good-looking boy, Dad. Mm, yes, he is. And now, listeners, it is time for this. I know this is a segment that everyone hangs 
their hats on, that everyone actually quickly presses, and, and we really don't encourage this, presses the fast-forward button so they can move straight to it. It's the week in Pete Evans. Been a huge week. Huge week, Charles. It has, it has been a very big week in Pete Evans. Since getting the R's from Facebook, he's been incredibly enthusiastic on Instagram. Uh, he's posting with a furious confidence, and the general themes have really stayed the same. I mean, the election was stolen, yes. the vaccine is bad, and very there are bad. several, but they are all just, you know, bad. bad. I mean, whatever mm. vaccine it is, there's bad. Uh, random claims about Bill Gates being involved in, you know, just about everything he doesn't like. And a cheeky jab at Mark Zuckerberg stating fairly clearly that he protects pedophile accounts but bans oh, those dear. exposing them, which, mm. of course, means likely he's the one protecting the kids. Oh, fucking, you know, pedophile protector Pete, you know, like whatever, like what a fucking <laughs> asshole. Realistically, the way uh, Pandemic Pete uh, protects children is by giving him a giant dose of liver broth that might kill them. <laughs> but coming off the high of seeing him lose about 1.5 million followers the other day, which, fuck, that was good, the new he has not ushered in the ban we are all dying to see, not the yet. Instagram ban. Come on, guys. I think it's coming soon, though. I personally want to see a series of defamation claims coming his way. You mentioned Bill Gates. We mentioned Anderson Cooper, the CNN yep. frontman last mm-hmm. week. And Pete has really stuck the chin out there and said, guys, come and come and come and slap me around. Here's uh, a freebie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and here's a guy that's really put the hard yards into spreading misinformation about people in the public eye. And uh, as yet does not even have a subpoena to show for it. Seems a bit of a waste, but the Instagram ban is what we want. And then we'd like a couple of large rips from Bill Gates uh, come uh, Pete's way. That'll keep him quiet for a little while. It would be fucking beautiful, wouldn't it? Like, I mean, he really is just taking the piss at this point. Like, community standards state that you simply cannot throw out these unsubstantiated claims about vaccines, COVID, electoral fraud, and kitty fiddling without being held to account. And mm. having your account swiftly bloody deleted. I mean, I think and, the best and having to and having to and, and having to be brought to account uh, under oath in a witness box. Oh fuck! If only. But like, I mean, this. I think the, the the best thing they could really do is to just clear his block list and prevent him from deleting comments. Imagine that if the internet was actually allowed a bit of this. Free speech and nonsense and thought on his page, he would be dragged through glass. He's one of the most hated people in Australia, but he finally curates that echo chamber because he's probably paying someone to do it, mm. and therefore he gets to say and show whatever he likes to his ridiculous pill fucking cult. When realistically, you would have every man on his dog tearing him to shreds if he couldn't block everyone that said nasty, nasty things about him. <laughs> but with any luck. His comment deleting intern will lose will lose his or her job in the coming days, and we will see a, jar, a sharp drop off from pandemic panic Pete, where his relatively obscure Telegram and parlor accounts, and he's got about nine thousand parlor accounts Not following many. him. Yeah, uh, will be his eight. only way of reaching out to his pilled followers. I did notice, uh, Joel, just by the way, that he uh, actually uh, when he dropped off Facebook, he was says he was demanding that people. Uh, send uh, send their email lists through so he could get out a newsletter. Yeah, you'd, yep, love the- to, you'd love to subscribe to that, wouldn't you? 
Fuck, I hate newsletters. Uh, but until then, <laughs> realistically, it's just more of the same shit. Yes. I mean, if he stays platformed, I think we can look forward to him getting bored of these electoral fraud claims around maybe February. Yeah. If that's the case, my money is going him straight back to accusing everyone he doesn't like of being a kitty fiddler and him being the protector of children, which is fucking ridiculous. A guy is just a fucking narcissistic asshole. Because it feels like only yesterday when this was his whole shtick. He was all about mole children and fucking, you know, kitty fiddling in Hollywood. And he's just left it aside because of the electoral fraud thing. And I think that we need to go back to what I think is quite a funny pursuit of mole children and finding new ways to accuse Tom Hanks of... Diddling kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. It goes without saying these days. If you think mole children are real, stop listening to our podcast. You're you not th- one of us. You don't think uh, You don't think Pandemic Pete uh, uh, might be uh, a member of the uh, uh, Facebook uh, uh, Trump punters group. Uh, he's had a lash and, uh, and wants his money I'm- back. I, I love the, the idea of him putting his fucking whole entire Evolve cash fund onto Trump. Yeah. Like, oh, it's still coming in. I just oh. wait till January 6th when Pence stops the fucking thing. <laughs> and uh, I reckon Pete uh, would only bet with other people's money, not his own. You have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your, podca- on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with RK. We've set up a Facebook page. Just search for the Conditional Release Program. Unless they've started censoring us and shadow banning <laughs> us, you'll find it. And finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the Conditional Release Program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's simply to administer a vaccine that has not only been out of the fridge for a couple of days, but is actually just a mix of chicken semen and brine. It might still work. Stick it in my arm. Give it a go, son. See you later, listeners. Talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Catch you then.